Welcome to a new episode of Gaming in the Wild, a video games podcast about games from the artistic creative side of the tracks, from indie to AAA. My name's John, I'm your host, I'm a journalist based out in Reykjavik, Iceland, where this week I had quite an action-packed week when it comes to gaming, actually. Um, If you have been listening for a while, you'll know that I borrowed a PSVR last summer from my friend Sam. Um, he's online at clover underscore exe, exe, clover underscore sexy, clover underscore exe, and he um, offered to sell me it. So I'm now the proud owner of that PSVR, which has given me a renewed interest in actually checking out some some VR games. Um, so I've I've been looking into picking up some new PSVR titles to cover. Um, so that's going to be exciting. I think there's a, a few that I haven't played yet. I haven't played uh, Beat Saber or Blood and Truth, or Paper Beast. So I'm maybe going to look into getting those and covering them on the show. Um, PSVR has been really nice. Once you've had a, a virtual reality kit in the house, it's it's like an extra room. You know, when you put on that headset, you go to a different place entirely. And so the idea of letting it go um, wasn't really appealing to me. So I'm really happy to have that PSVR now. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else... Um, the format has to offer. I've really enjoyed the things that I've played, Astrobot Rescue Mission and uh, Moss and Fuji and all of those games that I've covered. So I'm really happy to expand my knowledge of what's out there for for VR. I also got um, a new controller called a Backbone Controller. Um, I posted it on uh, on my Twitter timeline. This was something that I saw Reagan Kelly got one, uh, one of the hosts of the Short Game podcast. Um, And I've didn't know that I needed this until I saw it and then immediately bought one for myself. It's an attachment with a kind of, looks a little bit like Joy-Cons, but it's connected at the back by a adjustable backbone. Um, and you kind of open it up, you put your iPhone inside it and then clip it into place. It has a lightning connection inside it, a lightning connector, and your iPhone is then basically a switch. And there are games in Apple Arcade that I've felt weren't suited either to iPhone or to Apple TV with a controller. For example, the Pathless. Um, Apple TV is not really powerful enough to run that game, and and, uh, touchscreen controls were too, you know, virtual joysticks are not ideal. And it's a game that has a lot of controls going on, so trying to fit controls onto that tiny screen alongside all of that beautiful um, graphical world that they've created didn't quite fit. So... Um, and the same goes for a bunch of other games too, like Sky, Children of Light, the Journey follow-up. It had a virtual joystick on the screen, made it kind of hard to control. Um, and so this solves that problem, basically. The screen just becomes a screen with the odd touch control to tap on an item or to tap on someone to talk to them, something like that. And the rest of the controls are in the Backbone controller. It has integrated... Um, screen cap and video capture. It has an app that is seamlessly integrated into iOS. If I didn't know better, I'd think it was an Apple app because it's so well integrated to switch between games and to uh, look in the game center and check your achievements and things like that. So with the Backbone controller on deck, 
I've had another look at Apple Arcade. Um, there's a whole bunch of games on there that I've been curious about, but didn't quite feel comfortable with for the reasons I'm describing here, like too small screen or just not the right formula. So I've been, um, I, I dipped back into Patalus, Manifold Garden, um, Sinora Wild Hearts, just to see how they played. All great. Um, and I also looked at some new ones. I looked at What the Golf. Um, that's that's basically a touchscreen game, actually, but I've been meaning to try it for a while, and I had a really good time with that. Um, just a surreal golf game in which, you know, in the first couple of levels, you'll you'll do a basic chip and putt, but on the second one, you swing the club and let the club go, and then you have to kind of get the club to the hole. And on the third one, you'll swing the club, and then the golfer himself will start flying through the air, and it just gets more and more ridiculous from there, I think. You know, by the time you're 20 or 30 holes in, you're kind of catapulting a giraffe into a swimming pool or you're playing this kind of weird version of golf that is based on Portal or Super Hot or like some of that's very referential of other video games. And it just stretches and breaks the, the whole idea of what golf games can be. So I had a great time playing What the Golf. I had to go on a new game called Nuts that has just dropped onto Apple Arcade. It's a first-person... Um, surveillance game, a little bit reminiscent perhaps of something like Firewatch, uh, where you're walking through the countryside, um, you have cameras that you can set up to surveil the forest, and you have to trail squirrels through the forest and find out where they're going and what they're doing. I've played an hour of it and got through the first couple of days of the game, um, and it's really interesting, it's, it's really a quality production, so I'm really excited to play that one um, on the Backbone controller, it's the perfect way to play it. Also, I've dipped into Necrobarista, a really aesthetic visual novel about a cafe where ghosts of the recently deceased go, and they use it as a waiting room before passing on to the next life. That's really enjoyable. It's really nice art style, great setting, uh, great story. So I'm looking forward to finishing that one. I might well end up making full episodes about these uh, once I've played them to the end, but I thought it was nice to run them all down here. I also had a go at South of the Circle, um, a visual novel uh, based on a plane crash where you find yourself crashed in somewhere in the Arctic and you have to figure out what's going on in a story that cuts back between a professor in the UK and then his adventures out uh, pursuing his work out in the wild world. Um, not very interactive, that one. I felt like I wanted a little bit more interactivity. Um, there, are, there are moments when you can drive or walk around, but it feels like it feels like the illusion of choice, and not in a good way, like not in the well-done way. It feels like you're railroaded, and that the interactivity is kind of obligatory. I might well go back to it, because it has a beautiful art style, and I might um, see if it takes me in a different mood, because it does look like a quality game. And last of all, I played Alba, a wildlife adventure. A really beautiful, cute little um, exploration game with a focus on nature again, on bird watching, photographing and cataloguing birds and animals. And you play a little girl and you run around a very colourful Mediterranean island. And that's the game I'm going to talk about today, because that one was the one that grabbed me the most out of all of these new games that I tried. And I ended up playing it in its entirety, uh, which is only about three or four hours, depending on how many of the extras you want to get. Um, and so that's the game I've picked for the episodes featured game this week. It, it was really, really fun. It's above and beyond what I was expecting from Alba. I'd been aware of it and been interested in it, but I didn't quite realise it was going to scale the heights that it does. 
It's just a, a real quality production, so I'm excited to talk about that today. But before I do that, I'll get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. First of all, I wanted to say thanks to my latest patron on Patreon, who is Hannah Kane, aka at the underscore Hannah Kane, H-A-N-A-K-A-N-E on Twitter. Thanks very much to Hannah Kane for signing up for my Patreon at the top tier. Really appreciate that. Um, I'm up to $25 a month on my Patreon now, which might not seem like much, but every couple of months that means I can pick up a, a, a game to review, or I can just put that money together to buy things like, you know, a new streaming cam or little bits and pieces that make the podcast sound better. So I really appreciate that. Um, if you would like to support me on Patreon and support this show, you can do so at patreon.com slash gaminginthewild for one, three or five dollars a month. And there's a bunch of perks there, weekly sales picks for PSN and Nintendo Switch on games that are particularly buried in the sales or indie games that you might overlook or games that have been featured on the show. So that acts as a really good filter for people that haven't got time to trawl the sale pages. Um, I also do patron-only episodes. I have some planned now where I'm going to look back at all of the game systems that I've owned from the early 80s when I was a little kid um, right through to today. And I'm going to talk through some fun stories and memories and some of the top games that I remember from all of those different systems. I think there was 20 or so in total. So I'll break it up into chunks and do those as patron-only episodes. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, it's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild, and I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone that wants to click on through. So with that out of the way, let's move on and talk about Alba, a nature adventure. Alba, A Nature Adventure, is a 2020 game by Us2 Games, who you might be aware of because they created Monument Valley and Assemble with Care, among other games. It was released on Apple Arcade and Steam, and it is uh, due for a release on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch, where I think it will do really well, actually, in spring of this year. Um, the devs have described it as a chillectathon, bless them, uh, based on their childhood summers. It's um, And it is a game that has that kind of summer holiday feeling that I loved so much in A Short Hike. Um, it's a game in which you play a little girl called Alba who goes to a Mediterranean island to hang out with her grandparents and just have a little holiday, basically. But while she is there, she discovers a kind of a newfound love of nature and animals and helping out animals that have been somehow stricken, whether they're caught in nets or... Um, in some kind of trouble, or whether it's just spotting them in their natural habitats. Um, and it's a it's a 3D game, third person. Alba is just a really small, cute little girl with a big cap on her head, and she runs and skips and cavorts around the island. Um, and you play the game at little girl height and at little girl speed. And it kind of gives you like a really vivid sense, actually, of... Um, of what it's like to be a little kid with all the time in the world. It's very, very cool and very, very cute. It's a really wholesome, fun, good time game. 
and I was a little taken aback by just how good it is. The the island itself that you are on, it's it's kind of a small open world. You can run around as as you wish. You have a map that you can open up. That means that Alba just holds up a paper map, much like Firewatch. You have a phone, which you can hold up to take pictures. You can take pictures of birds, take pictures of animals. Um, and if you push to the right, you get uh, a little um, encyclopedia of all of the, the animals that you found. And if you push to the left, you get a little tick list of jobs that you have to do. Um, and the, the jobs that you get are pretty wholesome. It's things like if you find trash lying around a rubbish can, there's usually six pieces of trash. And if you pick them all up, you get a nice ping sound. A little heart floats up the screen. You've done a little good deed. And that's one mission done. Um, as the game progresses, you get more things that you can do. If you pass a, a washing line with laundry hanging on it, you can pluck all of the laundry down, fold it up in the basket. That's another little good deed that you can do. And uh, at some point you are handed a toolkit so you can repair bird boxes and lay planks out to make shortcuts for yourself to move around the island. Um, and so there's plenty to do. It's a nice, relaxed set of tasks that you have. And it progresses each day. So when Alba goes to bed each day, she'll wake up in the morning and usually pretty much straight away she'll be given a new ability or a new task to do. And the game is over four or five days. It's quite short. It's uh, three hours to finish it, four hours to 100% it, and to, to carry out all the tasks and find all of the animals on the island. And the island itself is kind of the star of the show. It's a really well-realized world. It's a small beach resort island that has a little town with a gelato shop and a promenade, a marina, and a little boardwalk, and a beach where people are sunning themselves on lounges. It has a couple of farms, one for chickens and one for rice. It has a ruined castle on a hill in the centre, so it's got some nice verticality to it and nice views, either up to the castle or down from the top. It has various little patches of woodlands where you can uh, walk between the bushes, and then, of course, lots of uh, rocky inclines leading down to really beautiful white beaches. Um, and the island itself just it feels wonderful to travel around. You can almost feel the sun on your face in this game. The art style is beautiful. It's quite stylized, um, but the plants are uh, really, really beautiful. The foliage everywhere with the bright colours of the leaves, the bright colour of the soil, the blue sky, and the sun shining down. Uh, it has realistic light, so as the sun passes overhead, the shadows move. And it, as it gets towards evening, you get that beautiful orange sort of Spanish Mediterranean light that gives way to a pink sunset. Um, and that's usually when your grandparents will text you and say you can uh, come back to the house now for dinner. Um, you have the option of going back to see them and they say, are you hungry yet? And if you say no, you can run around a little more and uh, just freestyle. Because you'll usually get texts throughout the day that say things like, come up to the North Beach, we found a cormorant, or a sparrowhawk has been spotted up at the castle. So you get these little alerts, like in-game timed missions, kind of. But then as the evening sets, if you want to, you can just run around the island to your heart's content, and then go back and talk to your grandparents to manually end the day. And yeah, the island is just really, really fun time. It's uh, sticking in my head um, as a place, in much the same way as Hawk Peak Provincial Park did in A Short Hike. And that's very high praise coming from me because I found that game to be incredibly relaxing to play and a really wholesome, good-hearted, feel-good time. And Alba manages that same feat. 
Uh, you might have noticed that there's a little bit of craziness going on in the music this time, and that's because I haven't been able to find the soundtrack anywhere out of the game, basically. So I'm using uh, audio that I captured from inside the game. So you might hear shutter snaps, and you might hear bird calls, and you might hear that little text cycle sound. Uh, but the music tends to be one or two minutes long only, um, and it, it just kind of drifts in and out, and it's always this beautiful, uh, relaxed kind of sounds like indie pop or Mediterranean traditional folk music um, and these little interludes just come along as you're going about your day and they, re they really add to the game. Um, the game has a really wonderful audio environment which I, I've really admired actually. For example the bird calls are really authentic and so when you're in an area that has for example a pigeon or a dove you'll hear you'll hear bird calls that belong to that bird. If you're in an area with a sparrow hawk or uh, hawks or falcons or bigger birds or herons or little uh, beach birds um, running around in the sand, they all have their individual sounds. And if you disturb a bird as you're running around the forest, you'll hear this kind of rustle of wings, the familiar rustle of wings as they take off. Um, and all of the bird behavior is also very authentic. The way that the birds move like if you disturb a little finch sitting on a fence post, it will kind of dip away and then pop up into the air three times in a straight line in a way that we've all seen many, many times. Um, so all of the birds move and behave and sound right. Um, and it really is details like that that make this game tick. The game is full of great details. Um, a lot of things that games of this type often get wrong um, are gotten right here. And it's the difference between this being like a fun little diversion and a game where the quality is very noticeable. And I've made a little list here of all of the details that stood out. For example, in the environment, um, you'll find cars on driveways. You'll find every house has like a little wheelie bin where people put their trash and the, they have little taps on the outside of the houses. Um, on the boardwalk, there is a tourist shop, which has like inflatables and sunglasses and things like that. And as you're walking around, there are fences and worn wooden pathways, which have kind of been half buried in the sand. And there are irrigation ditches around the farms. So the world itself is very detailed and beautiful in a way that I found to just be very convincing and very well thought out. It feels like an inhabited world where people live. I mean, there's even on the outskirts of town, there's a half-finished house, which has those kind of metal poles sticking up from the foundations, and it's slowly being built up. And there are even, like, uh, tags on them and things like that, so it really does feel like a living environment. But as well as those kind of details, um, the audio and the graphical and the environmental considerations, there's just a lot of gameplay design features, little details that are often gotten wrong. For example, Alba moves at a very slow speed, like little girl speed, um, and there isn't like a fast run button, you know, it's like one of the first things you do when you start a new game and you're running around is figure out how to move as quickly as possible. You quickly realise that you have to move around this game at Alba speed, which could have been frustrating, but, but actually they make Alba vary her walk, so sometimes she will break out into a, a jolly little skip and skip around. Sometimes she'll extend her arms and kind of flap her wings as if she herself is a bird. Um, and so it's just really, really enjoyable watching Alba be Alba as you're moving around the island. And something that I always say about any game is that it has to be fun to move around. If it feels hard or if it feels annoying in some way, 
to move through an environment or if it's glitching all the time or something like that. It will just kill your enjoyment of a game. And Alba really gets that right. Um, also, invisible walls are something that kind of haunt these kind of games. Like if you come to a cliff edge or if you come to a bush or a tree, you often feel like there is an invisible wall around it that your character hits because the collision detection is a little bit off. In Alba, they managed to sidestep that completely. You can run basically through foliage, so you can run through reeds or bushes. Um, you, you'll bump into trees and fences, but a lot of the time, even when there is little inclines or little steps on the ground, Alba will just slide over them um, in a way that completely diffuses that, that common downfall of the traversal in games of this type. Also, they just really nailed the, the UI. So, you know, the right stick is for the angle of the camera, the left stick is for controls, and then the D-pad will bring up the map or the task list or the encyclopedia and all those kind of things. Um, and so it feels very, very natural, like the control mapping is perfect. Um, also, the people that inhabit the island, they're, they're a bunch of characters, you know, they're, they're real characters. They're the kind of people that you would find in these places. There is a bird watcher guy who's got like a long white ponytail. He's always got his binoculars and he's looking out for something unusual. There is a bunch of sunbathers, just tourists that are wandering around looking a little bit awkward. There is an old man, or as my mum would call him, an old gadji, who is just uh, wandering the island. He goes up to the castle, but he has to rest halfway on the bench so you can sit and talk to him there. Um, there's someone doing yoga in the sun and kind of repeating mantras to herself. There is a couple of shop owners that are delighted to see Alba and offer her a taste of ice cream. There's a policewoman, there's a mayor. There are all these wonderful cast of characters. There's a couple of old ladies that you can talk to. And the dialogue doesn't repeat. You know, often in these games, you can talk to someone once. When you come back, they say the same thing. I felt like in Alba, this happened three or four times in the entire three or four hours. And that, that's so refreshing to me, like um, the, the idea that these people feel real and they move around on their own daily schedule and they always have something interesting to say to you. It really helps to add to the immersion and to just add to the enjoyment of the game. Also, there are times when you're looking around for um, objects on the ground, like trash, or you're looking around for uh, an animal that's giving you a distress call. But rather than making you rely on, you know, being able to pick something out of this very colourful um, art style of this world anytime that you can see something that you can interact with a white dot appears above it so you can see it from quite far away it will draw your eye to it and if you're looking for a trapped animal that is squealing or squeaking or barking then um, there's a visual cue will appear like a little a set of three lines will appear on the edge of the screen so you know which way you're supposed to go in and you can follow the sound and that's really clever because you know when we're moving through the real world we get to rely on all of our senses at once and the way that that is translated into video games often feels a little awkward. It's like you're relying on your eyes when in the real world you would be relying on all kinds of senses at once. And Alba manages to, just through this ingenious use of audio-visual combinations and a good UI, it manages to really make it feel very natural, as if you are actually a little girl moving through this world. It's really well done.
And there is also a storyline to the game. Uh, there is a hotel that is being built on the island where there is a dilapidated nature reserve. And as you learn all of Alba's various skills, you get to repair the nature reserve and you decide to gather a petition with your friend Inez, who is another like gorgeous little uh, character model. She's just so fun. She's always just dancing or playing or kind of making a nuisance of herself. And she's Alba's best friend. And uh, the two of you get to travel around the island together sometimes. You have to skip around with Ines, or sometimes you go around by yourself. And the two of them decide to form a little nature league and to gather petitions against the hotel. And so there is a little plot line that plays out across the course of these three or four days with a, a mayor and a kind of a villainous businessman. And the whole idea of it is to be kind of an eco game, I guess, as well as photographing birds and comparing notes with your grandpa and with the bird watcher and spotting all of these different animals, whether it's hares and foxes and uh, lizards and geckos and birds themselves. You do also get this really nice narrative. It's a little bit like, you know, the, the kind of predicament of small island communities that perhaps don't get the tourism they once used to. Um, there is this question of whether or not a hotel should be built or whether or not to try and um, use what they have already or to reinvent themselves. And you do get to see this play out so while it is a very innocent, fun exploration game based around birdwatching animals and doing good deeds and being a little kid, there's, there's more to it as well. Um, but it never really... It would be really easy for this game to feel preachy, um, but it really doesn't. It just feels really, really fun. I think that's partially down to the art style, to the, the good dialogue that always clicks along and is always light and entertaining and the really well-made structure of the game, and just all of those careful details that I discussed earlier. I think for fans of A Short Hike or Animal Crossing, or those kind of games that are based around wandering and collecting and chatting to people in a pretty, colourful, wholesome, feel-good environment, Alba is a game for you. I would give this game really high marks if I was reviewing it. I'd think about giving it a 9 out of 10. Um, the only downside of it really is that it's quite short, that three-hour playtime. But if you're on Apple Arcade, um, you can play it for nothing. Um, and I hope that it's well-priced when it comes to Switch in the same way that A Short Hike was. It looks like it's $17 on Steam, which is maybe a little bit steep for the three-hour playtime that you get. Um, but I don't know. I mean, A Short Hike was very, very cheap. They priced it at $8. It seemed really like a good, sensible price point for that game. But I guess... Um, this studio is a full studio, it's not a one-person project, so perhaps there's a whole team working that this has to support. Um, either way, whether you play it on Apple Arcade, or whether you play it on Steam, or whether you wait for it on Switch, or PS4, or Xbox, perhaps it will come onto Game Pass. I say find a way to play this one. It's a really strong recommendation. That's Alba, a wildlife adventure. So that was Albert, A Wildlife Adventure. I really, really enjoyed this one. I had a great time with it. It was just such a lovely game. I spent most of the playtime with a big smile on my face. I really enjoyed it. There is a little trend going on in photography games. As um, as Reagan from The Short Game pointed out on, on Discord the other day, another game that I've been looking forward to a lot is Umarangi Generation, as picked by Louis on uh, one of the Game of the Year episodes as part of his top five. 
I've been really looking forward to Meringue Generation. It's another photography-based game. Um, it's coming to Switch, so um, it's one of my most anticipated games. Um, I've been in touch with the developer of that one, so I'm hoping to get some review code so that we can cover it here on the show. I do have a couple of other episodes planned in the future. I still have to produce a Disco Elysium episode. I'm going to go back and play that game um, a little further because I played it all the way back in December, so it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, I'm also going to cover a game called Art of Rally. It's another one of Louis's picks for the year. And I'm going to cover that one with my friend Sam, who sold me that PSVR headset, aka Clover EXE. So we're going to play Art of Rally over the next few weeks and hopefully get a show wrapped for that one. I'm also going to cover Immortals uh, Phoenix Rising. I'm going to have Adam from Switch Indie Fix on as a guest for that one. I was chatting with him the other day and he mentioned that he'd been playing it and loving it and he'd love to talk about that game. So hopefully I'll catch up with Adam next week for that episode. And finally, I'm going to have my first developer interview on the podcast. That's with Gareth Damian Martin, the developer of In Other Waters. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that I I really enjoyed that game. Um, It made my list of the year, my top five of the year. Um, I wrote about it on Switch Indie Fix. It was one of my top five Switch games. And so I'm really excited to talk to Gareth about the process of developing that game. It has such an unusual UI and such an unusual narrative approach and such a detailed world that you get to explore in that game. Gareth's also the editor of Heterotopias, a magazine that looks at games and architecture. That's really worth looking up if you haven't seen it already. The issue that I first picked up, I think it was number seven, had a piece about Kentucky Route Zero, a piece about Death Stranding, a piece about The Last Guardian, all of which are games that I've covered here on the podcast. So it was really exciting to read these deep dives into different aspects of that game, how architecture served those games and how setting served them. They're, they're really well-conceived pieces. So I think that Gareth is going to be a really interesting guest for the show, and I'm very much looking forward to having them on. So that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week with one of those episodes that I've just described. If you have enjoyed the episode, you're very welcome to join me on Patreon, patreon.com slash gaminginthewilds. Every contribution really helps me to keep the show going, make it sound better, make it be better, and keep on developing it. I also have a Ko-Fi account at uh, ko-fi.com slash gaminginthewild. If that's your preferred creator platform, you can always make a one-time contribution to the show there. Um, I think I might have mentioned that earlier this year someone came on there and maxed out my $65 the aim on that platform to get a new mic stand, which just made my month, to be honest with you. It was such a nice gesture, whoever that anonymous donor was. So that's been Gaming in the Wild. Please do come and find me on social media. Let me know what you've been playing. Let me know if you've played Alba or if you've played any Apple Arcade games. I'm Gaming in the Wild on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Although there is hardly anyone on the Facebook. Twitter is the main one for me. So speak to you next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.